wildfires, an ever-growing threat for our ever-growing population. As the world adds another billion people over the next 15 years, most of them will be living in areas designated as wildland urban interfaces. Meaning, with more people living near our forests, wildfire risks will continue to increase. Last year alone in California, wildfires burnt over 10,000 homes, leaving areas of the state in total destruction with fear of future catastrophe. We are in dire need of tools to combat wildfires, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and protect natural carbon sequestration resources. Hello, I am your host, Mike Lake, and in today's preview, I will be talking with Andre Zhang and Paul Redhead about Robotics Cats, a wildfire detection solution. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, President and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. And welcome, Andre and Paul. Thank you both so much for joining us. And once again, of course, I want to welcome all of you, our listeners and viewers. Uh, it's really an exciting moment uh, for me to introduce you to Andre Young and, and Paul Redhead. Uh, Andre is the founder and CEO of Robotics Cats, and Paul is the technical lead. Uh, Robotics Cat is, is a company that is creating wildfire detection tools for governments, businesses, and communities. So before we get into this challenge that the world is facing uh, on increasing numbers of fires, um, I do want to get both of your personal stories. And how is it that you you came to create Robotics Cats and, and, and focus on this issue at large? So, Andre, if we want to start with you. So first of all, thank you, Mike, uh, for having uh, us. And um, uh, we are very excited to participate in the um, City program as well as uh, today's podcast. So uh, my name is Andre, founder and CEO of Roboticast, and my background is in telecom and um, uh, cloud computing, doing uh, international sales in the Asia Pacific region. And uh, I'm very lucky to meet uh, a, a very talented engineering team, including Paul. They have a quick solutions uh, to help people uh, to detect wildfire, to reduce the risk, and then they want to grow it internationally. And I believe I can help in that area. And uh, that's why we, we founded a new company, Robotic Cats, um, to achieve that mission. Terrific. And Paul, how did you get interested in, in wildfires? Uh, my first job out of university in 2006 was um, forest fire detection systems in South Africa. And I ended up traveling um, pretty much around the world, uh, helping people with it. But the focus ended up being very centered on uh, control sensors with people behind the systems and very little automation. And um, I ended up ended up in Hong Kong at, at some point and um, got involved with the team here to automate it. So our goal at Robotics Cats has really been um, in automating the detection side of it rather than relying on on humans. So let's talk a little bit about the wildfires and, and frankly, frankly, the increasing frequency and uh, seemingly greater uh, damage being done by them. I mean, looking historically, just in recent history, 
you know, we're looking at 2018, remembering the the Greece wildfires with over yeah. 1,200 buildings burnt. The following year, Australia, uh, the brush fires burnt 46 million acres uh, in 9,000, almost 10,000 buildings. And just last year in California, uh, more than 4.3 million acres uh, in o o over 10,000 buildings. I mean, these... These are unbelievable numbers, uh, and if if you're not living in any one of these communities affected, it's easy to to not realize the impact that this is having. But if you do live in one of these communities, it, it's very personal and really um, front of mind. It's just how dangerous a wildfire can be. So let's talk. What is the cause of these increasing wildfires, and why is it happening so much now? Yeah, uh, me first. So uh, with, with climate change and high temperature, uh, we have higher uh, wildfire risk. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, based on all projection in the next 15 years, uh, we will have 1 billion more people in the world. Most of them will be living in a new city next to the forest. Mm -hmm. And uh, with these global trends, uh, we will have more people, uh, they call it uh, uh, live next to or working next to uh, one urban interface or they call WUI, W-U-I. And um, um, uh, higher temperature, more people, it will increase wildfire opportunities as well as the risk. Yes, yes. That's, that's what we have today. But, so when, when you think of, of wildfires and you think of um, that, that as a threat, certainly one of the immediate next th thoughts is what do we do in response? How do we protect ourselves? How do we prepare for it? Um, so before we get into robotics, cats, just in general, what is the current state of things? So uh, your the current state of things, uh, it's going to start depending which geography you're talking to, and in, in each country and in within countries, counties, regions have their own mitigation strategies. But generally speaking. Um, you're relying on detection or reporting of an incident, and then you're relying on crews to put that out. There's other, I mean, there's a, it, it's a huge industry. So there's a lot of other aspects from uh, managing your land better, doing your clearances. Uh, but generally speaking, the detection side of it, which we focus on, is very important because you have to find your fires quickly in order to prevent them uh, getting out of control. Understood. So now let's talk a little bit about robotics cats. Um, I mean, we the good thing about this challenge is I think everybody understands the imminent danger of a fire. So what I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, is that if you're not prepared for it, if you don't know it's coming, it's even more dangerous. Um, so this is where robotics cat really comes in. Robotics cats really comes into play. Tell us a little bit about how the system works and what it does. Okay, well, the primary solution that we have is using camera systems and um, computer neural or CNNs, neural networks. So the modern technologies with, that have come up in the last couple of years using machine learning or AI uh, to analyze images coming out of those cameras. And what we found is um, historical systems were doing a lot of motion-based uh, algorithms. We were trying to be clever, but they, in, in fact, we weren't. 
And the newer techniques with the machine learning have been very, very, very good at identifying smoke sources. And to do that, we train the system in recognizing them. So uh, we've got, uh, I mean, easy 500,000 uh, images of smokes and early fires that we use to train our algorithms. And then whenever you go into a new geography, your environment will be slightly different and we'll gather data in that region and we'll update our algorithms so that they function correctly. So that system then is linked through mobile phones, uh, through the cloud or through um, workstation software, depending on what uh, level of software you have from us. And you can get an early alert when you have a fire. And, and that early alert, I mean, it can be the, the real difference between life and death, can it not? Yes, yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, if you have a red fire day, um, you, you, you're graded. So if you go into an area that has a fire, you go from uh, different color codings. And when you start getting up to your orange and your red days, red in, in particular, um, I was always taught within forestry that if you had a fire start on a red day, you had 15 minutes to start putting water on it. Otherwise, it's out of control. So, so when somebody says that, you know, you, you know, early detection, if, if people argue with me that it's not important, I look at them and say, well, <laughs> I don't know when your clock starts ticking, but you, if you don't know where it is or when it started, you, you need to get there really quickly. And, and I mean, 15 minutes, as you know, is not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. Every I mean, but, second counts. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, on a red day, I mean, we have to understand that obviously as your, as your fire danger index gets bad, uh, crews and and people are they're on alert so people are like like they're in sleeping in aircraft ready to take off and, and, and go because you understand that the risk is so severe under those circumstances in in fact a lot of times we saw within the commercial plantation sectors that a lot of your runaway fires started when you don't have everything being severe you get down to a yellow or orange conditions are not too bad and everyone's then ah you know it's not so bad and that's usually when you'll drop a ball. And, and do you have a sense, uh, this might not be a fair question, but do you have a sense of, you know, once you're into that orange yellow kind of period um, or phase, what is the response time at that point? I, I, I don't have those figures and I don't want to misquote them because it's going to, no, be, that's fair. That's it's fair. Going to be agency um, dependent and I, I, I really wouldn't want to throw anyone under the bus. Sure. No, fair enough. Um, so, okay. Now, in terms of, uh, you, you covered a little bit about the, the AI and, and kind of machine learning side of this, but obviously there's that hardware piece as well. Yes. So as people are thinking about deploying such a solution, um, what is that, that physical hardware need that's required? Um, well, uh, it's a great question since our two backgrounds. Uh, Andre has a little smaller camera behind his head and I've got our, our more flagship product behind mine. So um, if you're aiming at community level, communities are not going to have loads of money behind them to throw out this problem. So we try to make a simple solution uh, using off-the-shelf uh, security cameras and that can link through to our online AI cloud system and do the machine learning um, through Amazon or Google platforms. Uh, when you're going to commercial government sector, there's the camera system by myself, even as a thermal unit in it, in it if you're needing to look at heat signatures. Uh, but obviously the price comparison is, is quite significant. So um, that's why we, we spread across the market. So it, this can be added to existing hardware. 
Uh, yes, or, or existing towers. Um, yeah. uh, historically, I, I've put cameras up, radio masts, I've put them up, old abandoned lookout towers, lookout towers that have been condemned where humans can't go up them to look for fires anymore. You can put a camera system up them to do it. If you've got your house and you're overlooking a valley or overlooking a mountain and you're worried about a fire starting when you're not home, uh, you'd be able to put a camera on your wall even or like we've done there at an animal sanctuary in Hong Kong to monitor for fires. So that's incredible. And, and once a fire is detected, the proper authorities are automatically notified? Is that how it uh, works? It de again, it's going to depend on the product. So no, the one that's deployed for uh, communities, it's going to send you an alert. We haven't got to the stage that this is integrated into your 911 call centers. That is where I, uh, if we start talking about the future, that's what I would like to get to, particularly from a community level. But there has to be some sort of monitoring or um, filtering on that because we don't want anybody to start alarming on, I don't know, I mean, let's let's be silly, someone's cut their cut their grass and they're, they're burning their leaves and then you, that's gonna cause a, a smoke, you're probably gonna get an alert on it. We don't need the fire authorities to respond to it. So there has to be some sort of um, control over how the alerts are managed. Sure, sure. But nonetheless, uh, I mean, a huge opportunity to increase the risk or decrease, I should say, the time to respond, yes. um, but increase the effectiveness of that response in the Correct. process. Correct. Um, and that's really what this is about. It's about minimizing a threat. And ultimately, that's what we're talking about. And that threat is is not insignificant. I mean, we're just thinking about the number of families uh, whether it's a business that they owned or their own home, uh, just going through some of those, uh, I mean, in those three examples from Greece, Australia, and California, you're talking about over 20,000 buildings being lost. Yeah, that's, uh, that's disruptive to people's lives. It's disruptive to economies. It's, yes. It has a, a ripple effect throughout an entire community. Um, so the work you're doing is is much more than really just uh, wildfire detection. It's it's really about com community resiliency, and that's, that's a a huge value um, for any community. I think that so, was. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Michael. No, no. I, think, I think that was our. I mean, it's been my motivation. If anyone looks at me and says, "Paul, why are you still doing wildfire detection for 14 years of your life?" and I say, "Because it really does matter." Uh, mm. I, I've I've gone to sleep in a house in Placerville in California in 2014 or 15, and they had a runaway fire in the area, and we were honestly going to bed thinking, do we have to evacuate overnight? That's not that's not a that's not a nice way to go to sleep. So yeah. for sure, it, sure. It, it it really does matter. It has an impact. And even uh, if, I'm night. surprised we even able to sleep that night. <laughs> 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 I must say, I was I was lying awake for a while thinking about things. <laughs> Andre, you were about to say something. Sorry. Yes, and uh, because of the pandemic, uh, we stopped uh, traveling. But uh, before it, Paul and I visited a lot of our customers in uh, in Mexico, in Indonesia, in Thailand. And uh, as you said, once you are in uh, an area which is burned by wildfire, you can feel it. Uh, it is more than the nature, more than the trees. And uh, you really want to help uh, people to uh, uh, reduce the risk and impact. Absolutely. So let's, I, I can't believe our time is almost up, but in this last question, as I always like to ask our, our guests, looking to the future, 
what what is the impact for an individual, for a community, for the the world at large, uh, in terms of robotics? Cats is is deployed everywhere, and and that threat is minimized. What does that mean? I do a short version first, pull you the long version. And uh, <laughs> again, we we in the past uh, all that's uh, heavy heavy metal uh, uh, for government. People believe it's government work to uh, uh, fight wildfire. From our perspective, it is now a, a global challenges. Everyone can play a role. Everyone can contribute. And then we that's why okay, we want to build a cloud version so that uh, uh, we can leverage your existing surveillance camera and then to help your community. That's uh, what. What we believe it will help more people, uh, uh, not just the government. Well, every people can contribute, can can uh, help your neighborhoods. Huh? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I agree with those sentiments. It's almost crowdsourcing your fire detection. If I had to look at it that way, and um, if I if I had a vision, yeah, I'd like us to be at a point that um, you don't even need to go and buy a necessary security camera. Maybe we can get to the point that you buy a little robotics cat's camera and you chuck it on your wall. And, 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 it, and it does it and it sends you an alert and something that's affordable for everybody so that it is down really at individual levels. Well, either way, <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is the same, that you guys and the work that you're doing is, is truly making a difference and it's saving lives. I mean, I don't want to uh, sound hyperbolic here, but the reality is lives will be saved. Yes. So for that, I, I cannot thank you enough. I also want to thank you for joining us today on, on Preview of Tomorrow. Um, okay. For anybody who does want to learn more or uh, get in contact, what's the best way for them to do so? Um, uh, please feel free to reach our website, uh, www.roboticcast.com. And we are also quite active on uh, Twitter. And our Twitter handle is uh, roboticcast. Fabulous. Well, thank you both for, for joining us, and we look forward to your continued success. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Cheers. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.